So, I just want to review what we've covered up until now and where it is that we are going to go from here. And for those of you that were unable to make it on Friday night, we will, inshallah, be sending out a link by email to the lectures so that you can catch up if you want to. Um, all of the lectures really build on each other, so if you did miss one, it's important to try to catch up, inshallah ta'ala. So we began by discussing the merit of love. Should we do me a favor just turn that speaker? Can someone just turn that speaker a little bit? Just making it's just some feedback. Um, we started by discussing the merit of love and how it really is the pinnacle of religion, looking at various Quranic verses, prophetic sayings. And then the second session on Friday night, we looked at a definition for it. And let's just revisit that for those that were not here. When we talk about a linguistic definition for love, how do we define it? Imam Lazari offers a convenient way to understand it. Love is an expression for the natural inclination towards what is pleasurable. The natural inclination towards what is pleasurable. And it will always be a consequence of idrak and ma'rifah, our perception and knowledge. And what Imam Lazari wanted to do for us is to help us understand how we love various things in relation to our senses. And so each one of our five senses perceives in a certain way. And it finds various things beautiful as a result. And he went through each one of these five senses and showed how each one of the senses has certain pleasures associated in relation to what it is that we find beautiful. For each sense gathers knowledge for us through its ability to perceive. And when we incline towards that, we say that we love it. And he's speaking about love in this case in the broadest sense. And then he builds upon that because that's easy to understand how the heart is the sixth sense. We can perceive with our heart that which we cannot perceive through the five senses. We can come to know through our heart as a result that which we cannot come to know through our five senses. And he gave a number of examples on how that is the case. And so we have a number of different metaphors whereby which we can see these things happening in the world so then we can understand then what it means to love our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we talk about loving Allah, it's done with the internal dimension. And the two main reasons we love are benevolence and beauty. And then this morning we started the discussion in demonstrating how when we recognize that our existence and our subsistence in this world and everything that it is need that we need not only to survive but to flourish, 
It's all from Allah. Every blessing is from Allah. And how in reality Allah alone truly deserves love. And when it comes to beauty, in Allah all beauty that we see in creation is a manifestation of His beauty ultimately. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. As beautiful as certain things are, whether they be sounds, whether they be things that we see, whether they be other things that are perceived, what then is the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And all beauty that we see should indicate to us that there is another type of beauty that is beyond all of the beauty of this world. And it's the heart that can perceive that beauty. And that's a higher degree of love to move to this degree where we start to understand what that means in, in the heart and then ultimately the veil is lifted so that it's perceived. Because the heart can know Allah. And all you can really do is point to it. You can describe it in a very basic fashion. But really it's a matter of taste. It's a matter of experience. And what we speak about usually is what it is that we need to do in order to experience that. And even in the Quran, the verse that we quoted, I did not create the jinn kind and the human kind except that they may worship me. Why did Allah say worship me? Because He indicated to us what it is that we can do so that we can experience it. And if Allah Ta'ala would have said in order to know me, someone might say, well, how is that done? Worship me? Okay, we can all do that. We know what it means to worship Him. And if you do so, this will be the result. And we spoke in session four about strengthening love for Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And how the two primary ways to do that is to sever worldly attachments from the heart and then to plant the seeds. Or just we heard in Sayyidina Nabi's the sapling of knowledge in the heart through reflection. And how this will lead to this higher degree of love. And then, of course, there's going to be signs. And those are the many signs that you've just taken, loving to meet him, to meet him preferring what he loves, remembering him abundantly, finding intimacy and solitude, enjoying worship, showing mercy to his creation, fearing distance from him. And so all of these things, we should reflect on them deeply and go through them one-on-one and try to bring them into our lives. And it is perfectly legitimate to struggle with them, even if they're not a part of us, now struggle with them. And by struggling with them, they will become eventually a part of reality and then be a sign. So, up until now, we've been speaking about our love for Allah. And in this session, we are now going to focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love for us. And this is even higher. It's one thing to have love for Allah... And it's an even greater thing to, for to be beloved, be, be loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the starting point here is a verse in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya yuwaladina amnu, man yartadil lukum adini, fa sofi yatillahu biqawman, yuhibbuhum, wa yuhibbuna. Is that, oh you who believe, if you go back 
on your faith. Allah will soon replace you with people He loves and who love Him. And so when the ulama comment and the scholars comment on this verse, they point out here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُحِبَّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ He loves them and they love Him. I.e. everything, well, everything is perfectly placed in the Qur'an. There's a reason why Allah mentioned يُحِبَّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ He loves them and then they love Him because His love precedes our love. And if you look very closely, you will find amazing things like this in Allah's book. So look at the statement of Musa when he comes to the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army is about to reach him. What does he say? That no, indeed with me is my Lord who will guide me. And what did the Prophet say when he was in the cave with his great companion Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq? So when he said to his companion, La tahsan, do not grieve. In Allah ma'ana. Indeed, Allah is with us. And there's no doubt what Moses said was great because he was saying that his Lord was with him. But he said, Indeed, with me is my Lord. Whereas the Prophet had even greater adab with Allah and he said in Allah ma'ana indeed Allah he put Allah first is with us and the people of all notice these subtle differences think of the story of Sayyida Asya who was in the home of one of the worst people ever walked the face of this earth <coughs> what did she say in one of the statements of Sayyida Rabia al-Adawiyah she said choose the neighbor before you choose the house and what does Sayyida Asya say? Rabbibni li andaka baytan fil jannah. O Allah, build for me in your presence a house in paradise. So she says, andaka, in your presence, before fil jannah. She didn't say fil jannati andak. That choosing paradise and then to be, that to be in the presence of Allah and then in paradise. And so these are subtleties that relate to people who experience these very meanings. And so the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us precedes our love for Him. And when we speak about human beings' love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's real love. It actually exists. It is not a metaphor. We can love our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we can also be loved by Him, tabarak wa ta'ala. And so let's look at then what Imam Ghazali says about what it means for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to love us. He says here, the love of Allah for His servant can not have the same meaning in relation to our love for Him. And he says the, Essentially what this means is The love of Allah for us Is كشف الغجاب القلبي حتى يراه بقلبه. The 
love for Allah for a servant is that he removes the veil from his servant's heart so that he sees him with his heart. And it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making his servant close to him. Making his servant close to him. And when we talk about closeness to Allah ta'ala, it has nothing to do with physical location. It's closeness in trait, i.e. that you and I have an ability to transcend many of the traits that we could potentially have that are also associated with animals and shayateen and demons. Where we become free from all of that and we adorn ourselves with good character, akhlaq, good character traits. And so it is a quarter besifa. It is a closeness of trait, not of makan, not of physical location. And really... What is meant by closeness here is where you and I feel a sense of uns, intimacy, and this is part of what we're going to discuss in this lecture, with the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. And so what is its opposite? Where our heart is hard. Where we remember Allah and we don't concentrate. And we think about other things. Or we want to finish quickly and move on to something else. Or we can't sit still and we just want to grab our phone. All of these different things that happen where we're not calm and tranquil and enjoying the experience of his remembrance. Now the good thing is, if we're not like that, it's very easy. If you put in the work, you can attain it from the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, essentially, what it means for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to love us is for him to make himself known to us. For him to bring us close to him by finding intimacy in his remembrance. And then a few more tangible manifestations of his love for us include all of the worldly distractions that prevent us from knowing he turns us away from them. He causes us not to be distracted by them. Including, of course, acts of disobedience. He enables us and facilitates for us purification of heart. I.e. that first pillar of strengthening our love for Him. Detaching and severing the ties for this world. And he allows us to that refrain from being veiled by different things in this world. And if that's still a little bit obscure, there are signs. Just as there are signs that we love him, and in a sense, as Imam Zali mentions, all of the signs that of our love for him are in a way like signs of his love for us. Because it relates to us loving Him, which is one of the greatest signs of our love for Him. Of His love for us, rather. But there are signs. And the first of which is experiencing tribulation. 
That has to happen. Now, tribulation, and you've heard me say this before, but it's, it's really helpful, can be of one in three types. It can be a punishment, it can be an atonement, or it can be a means to raise you in degrees. We might not know what it is, but what really matters is how we respond to the tribulation. That's really what matters, and that's actually the greatest sign of what type of tribulation it is. All of them are beneficial for us, even if we don't know which one it is. They're all beneficial, even if it's a type of punishment. Alhamdulillah, it was brought forth in this world. So, if someone becomes beloved to Allah Ta'ala, they will be tried. And there is a hadith that indicates, إِذَا حَبَّ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا And the word here is ahab. When Allah loves a servant, He will try them. فَإِذَا حَبَّهُ الْحُبَّ الْبَالِغِ And if Allah Ta'ala that loves him dearly, then he will iqtana. And then they ask the Prophet, what does it mean iqtana? لَمْ يَتْلُكْ لَهُ أَهْلًا وَلَا مَالًا Is that he won't leave for him a family member or any wealth. Which is indicating that they're going to be tried. Think about the Prophet and the amount of children that he himself buried. Think about how he was in relation to his wealth. Think about how he was in relation to how many people he lost in his life and everything that he experienced from his own people, from his own family members, and so forth and so on. So, this is part of it. This is part of it. And this is the first sign that someone will experience tribulation. And so there are certain people that this is just what happens to them because they are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the second sign is the Arabic word which is yuhishu, which is to make someone feel estranged from something and so that all of a sudden you feel a sense of wahsha a sense of estrangement from worldly things from worldly people you're just not into it anymore you don't care about how many likes you have on social media you don't care about celebrities. You don't care about being popular. You don't care about people praising you. All of these different types of things. You become estranged from that because you realize how fake and how hollow all of it is and how it's like a mirage that will never fulfill you. And if Allah blesses you with that, that's one of the great blessings from him subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's a sign that he's bringing you close to him tabarak wa ta'ala and then that becoming aware of your faults and there is a hadith it's narrated that the prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam idha habdallahu ta'ala idha habdallahu ta'ala abdan ja'ala lahu wa'idhan min nafsah <laughs> if Allah loves one of his servants That he will Give him an admonition From his own self And he will start to Rebuke his own self 
it will start to command it to do what is good and forbid it from doing what is wrong. This comes from within. And in another narration, if Allah wants good for a servant, He will give him knowledge of his faults. So if you find that Allah Ta'ala is teaching you about your faults, He is making your faults known to you, this is a good sign. This is a sign that Allah Ta'ala loves you. And it's really amazing if you think about that because normally we think of faults as something you don't want to know, something you want to hide, something you want to cover. But what a blessing to come to know your faults. And then one of the greatest signs of Allah's love for us is our love for Him. And this is why it's been said, if you want to know your station with your Lord, look at the station of your Lord with you. It's actually very easy. Look at your own self. Look at, do you love Allah? Do you prefer Allah over all else? And if you find that you are loving Allah and that you are preferring Him over all else, this is one of the greatest signs of all, that He subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you. And then, that one of the greatest signs as well is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take over your affairs. And this is what it means to become a wali. Because the wali is the one that tawalat ta'atuhu. This is from the same root. Tawala, root form six, the fa'ala. From wali yali. Is that his obedience has been continual, consistent. Same root again. Such that Allah took over his affairs. And what does that mean for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? To take over your affairs. It means that he will facilitate for you all good and facilitate for you an avoidance of wrong. He will facilitate it for you. And he will facilitate inwardly for you your experience of the world. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through tribulations. So being beloved by Allah doesn't mean that you're not going to go through difficulty. No, that was the first sign that you're actually beloved to Him. But it means He will facilitate submission in your heart and at very least patience but even ideally more than that, contentment. Tabarakwata'ala. And so again, what a different perspective to some other religious views that are put out there where your being well off is somehow a sign of being beloved to Allah. This is just simply not true. It has nothing to do with your relationship with Allah. You could be wealthy and be beloved to Allah. You could be poor and be beloved to Allah. And it has nothing to do with your amount of wealth. And if Allah Ta'ala has given you wealth and made your life easy, there is no corollary between that and you being beloved to Him at all. It could be the complete opposite. The key is your state of heart, these signs that we are mentioning. And one of the others that you can add to what Imam Al-Azari mentions is being beloved to the awliya. So one of the greatest signs of your love for Allah 
is your love for the awliya. One of the greatest signs that you're beloved by Allah is that the awliya love you. And someone might say, well, who are the awliya? Well, the awliya Allah defines who they are in the Quran. They're the people who believe, have iman and taqwa. Those are the awliya of Allah. And even though you can't say for certain that this person is a wali, Allah knows that. Who's a wali and who's not a wali. We know by outward signs that certain people are pious. And then, because Allah allows some of the awliya to know some of the other awliya, sometimes things start to get out amongst special people. Where they will have experiences or they will have that certain types of knowledge that other people don't have access to where things come out. And in the end, Allahu Adam, we never say with certainty this person is in the Ahad. Allah Ta'ala knows who his awliya are, and he's given us an objective criterion on who it is that we should be following. And if you ever see someone who does not take the sharia of our Prophet seriously, distance yourself from them. Distance yourself from them. Have a good opinion of everyone. However, make sure that you follow people that observe the sharia of our Prophet because there is no contradiction between the haqiqah and the sharia. The spiritualities that are experienced and the sacred law. And in fact, that even the people who that have powerful experiences is that in any circumstance, if anything goes against the shirah, it's rejected. And it's as simple as that. So being beloved to the awliya. And it's very important for us to cultivate this in our heart. A love for the people of Allah. And you'd be surprised. If you intend to do that, Allah will bring you to them. But they might not always be as you expect. They might be very different than you think. They might not look the way that you want them to look. They might not talk like the way you want them to talk. And it's important that we have this balance inwardly and outwardly in relation to all of these things. So those are the main signs. And essentially what Imam Ghazali is saying in relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love for us, we define it differently. It relates to the doors that he opens up for us at the level of our heart primarily and then there's some outward effects as well that are caused as by a result of this for us to know him and to that be close to him subhanahu wa ta'ala now the other two topics that we wanted to discuss are these two other important words that are associated with love and they're actually a part of the title so if you look at this book it's titled Love, longing, intimacy, and contentment. And the focus has been on love and contentment because those are two of the stations, the maqamat al yaqeen, the stations of certainty. But longing and intimacy are also fruits of love. And again, to reiterate, when we speak of these terms, it's purely spiritual. Purely spiritual. It has nothing to do with anything physical when we are talking about it in this sense. And the Imam Luzari goes into great detail describing each one of these. And of course he gives a metaphor to understand it. 
And we're going to take a little bit of poetic license and slightly alter what he said with a metaphor of that two people who love each other for Allah Ta'ala's sake. If you have a close friend and that friend you haven't seen for a long time, knowing that you have love in your heart for that person, when you're not with them, what happens? You have shok. You long to be with them. So, shok is a fruit of mahabba. And it relates to feeling distant from your loved one. It relates to not being present in the moment with your loved one. So you have a very close friend. You have a very close connection with this person. You might talk regularly, but talking on the phone is not like seeing them in person. And seeing them with a whole bunch of other people around is not like just that you and him or two sisters or two brothers knowing each other and be, having a friendship. And so, willing to be with them, longing to see them, longing to spend time with them, that's shok. And then, uns essentially is the, the intimacy is the joy of actually meeting the person that you've been waiting to see for so long. So when you actually come into their presence, of course there's going to be joy. And if you really love the person, an hour will pass, two hours will pass, three hours will pass, four hours will pass. And it's as if that there's no such thing as time. Because you love the person, time passes very quickly. And when you're with someone you really love, you don't think about anything else. Unless it's something that you absolutely have to do and then you'll find ways out of things and oh, I can do this at a different time. If you're really with someone you love, you are enjoying that moment because you're in their presence. So this is the difference between shok and uns. And when it comes to the highest meanings of this, it gets very deep, esoteric, and very spiritual. And we're not really going to talk about it at that level. And these things are experienced by the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in relation to what they experience from the various divine manifestations. And the short version of that is there are times where the people of Allah feel and these are people of Allah feel close to Allah and then there's times where they feel that distant from Allah and if there's a jalali type manifestation they feel distant from Allah and that usually fear is what overcomes their hearts and if there is a that jamani or beautiful manifestation that they feel a sense of uns and intimacy and that hope dominates the heart and hope and fear here rooted in mahabba hoping to be beloved to the one that they love and fearing to be distant from the one that they love and that's all that we will say about that but what's important to mention here when we talk about intimacy with Allah it's not like the intimacy that we have with another human being. 
It's nothing like having intimacy with a human being. It's intimacy with his remembrance. It's intimacy that Allah Ta'ala creates in the heart as a result of being in the Divine Presence. But if you take this back to a more understandable level that's a little bit more basic, you can think of it in relation to presence of heart when you remember Allah. And there are certain times based upon something that you've done, and this is watering it down a little bit, but labas, no problem, where you just feel distant. And you long for a state that you might have had in the past, or a moment that you had when you're in a special place, or when you're with a special person. That's shok. You're longing for something that was, something that you had attained. Whereas... The other state is one of really having presence of heart and having that sa'at as-safa as they call it, that moment of purity or that time of purity where you're not thinking about anything else. You don't want to be anything else. And these things are a part of how we are as human beings. And everybody seeks them in one way or another. But the only true way to really experience them is religiously. When people that take some type of mind-altering substance, there's a sense of euphoria. There's a sense of pleasure. There's something that experience in that moment. And you could say there's a type of, in this sense, that dunyawi uns a type of that intimacy that they have in that moment because of their intoxication from whatever it is that they're taking or drinking or whatever and when they're in that moment they're not thinking about anything else they're enjoying it but then they come down off of that high or they get out of that state and then what happens they have to deal with the world and they haven't done what they need to do to deal with the world. And so they go back to that substance. And what happens? Very easy, very quickly, they get addicted. And then it's all downhill from there. Because it's demonic. And it's not real. And it's rooted in the ego. And it's rooted in evil, unfortunately. And this is an epidemic. An epidemic. And now even with prescription drugs, certain types of them, this is an epidemic because people get addicted to these things. And similarly, in a positive sense, similarly only in terms of its meaning, not in terms of its reality because this is only good, that this is what happens to the people of Allah. Where the spiritual struggle then becomes making sure that they don't worship Allah for spiritual states. But they love those states of intimacy where their hearts are the presence of Allah. And they're given that pleasure. That's a type of intoxication. That in poetry, the great poets used to refer to it as khamar, which is wine. And they obviously don't mean by that wine the way that people drink it. They mean the intoxicated state that comes from light that strikes their heart. And puts them into a state where they find intimacy in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And nothing is more fulfilling for the human being than that. And then sometimes Allah will take that away from someone so that they can then show that they're sincere in their servitude, that they're not worshipping for that. And then Allah Ta'ala might give it back to them. But usually people are going through the different states until they meet Allah Ta'ala. And then after that, khalas. There's nothing but beauty. As long as we're in the world, the believer will experience Jamal and Jalal. You have to. As long as you're in the world, you will experience beauty and you will experience majesty. You will experience ease and you will experience difficulty. But when you die, if you've done what is right to prepare, after that, it's only beauty comes eternally. Where? Then, meanings of shok remain, but not of longing remain, not in terms of being in the presence of your beloved, because that's something you'll be gifted in the akhirah, but because that every moment in the afterlife, your knowledge of Allah will increase, so you long for a greater knowledge. And you long for even a greater knowledge. And you're gifted that greater knowledge. And you long for knowledge that comes after the greater knowledge and gnosis of Allah Ta'ala until eternity. So the meanings of longing remain in that sense. Not in the first sense of feeling distant from a beloved. beloved, The way that we would think about it in this while we're still here in this world. So these are very deep meanings. And yes, it's important that we talk about it. And the one speaking about it, there's no claims being made that any of this is experienced. The purpose here is to know that this exists and to hope that from the blessing of Allah Ta'ala, the fact that He that caused our tongues to move in the mention of these meanings, that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala gives it to us. And we have this beautiful hadith of our Prophet Sallallahu that's one of his blessed du'as where he asked for this. Allahumma inni as'aluka rida ba'd al-khalaf Oh Allah, I ask you for contentment after the divine decree wa baghd al-'ayh ba'd al-mawt and that the best of life after death wa ladhat an-nadhara wajhika al-kareem and ask you for the pleasure of gazing upon your noble countenance wa shawqan ila liqa'ik and I ask you to grant, to grant me a deep longing for your meeting. This is the dua of the Prophet. And we can just repeat this. <laughs> we ask for contentment after the divine decree, good life after death, the pleasure of gazing upon his noble countenance and longing for his meeting. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet didn't give us this to I accept that it was something important for us to ask for. And I want to close with a statement of Sayyidina Ali and Abi Talib that is really beautiful that summarizes this meaning. And he says, in relation to the true people of Allah Ta'ala, whom qawm hajjama bihim ilm ala haqayak al-umur, that knowledge rushed them literally. To the realities of things. So they experienced the spirit of certainty. Certainty. And they found easy that which the opulent, the people who are just enjoying the dunya, 
time difficult. They found intimacy in that which the ignorant had an aversion towards. They took the companionship of the world with their physical bodies. But their spirits were connected to the Supreme Assembly. Ya Kumail, and the Kumail is the companion of Sayyidina Ali that he is saying the statement too. Those are the vicegerents of Allah in His earth. And those that are truly calling to His religion. And he's basically saying, Oh, how I long to see them. And then he taught him humility by saying, Astaghfirullah wa lak. He says, May Allah forgive me and you. And then he says, That's enough that you can go. So that summarizes these meanings. And this is the reality that when someone experiences them, their life changes. They're able to do that which other people find very difficult to do as a result of their state of heart. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, we will... We've wrapped up our discussion of muhabba, and we talked about two of its fruits, i.e. that of longing, shok, and intimacy, uns. And tomorrow we will transition to the greatest fruit of love, which is rila, which is contentment. And so those of you who won't be able to be here with us, uh, please do follow the recordings, inshallah ta'ala, because contentment is the highest station of all. It's even higher than mahabba, but mahabba is a means for There is no contentment without mahabba. This is the highest station of all. It's the station of rila, and we'll talk about why and what that means, but it all builds upon what it is that we just mentioned. And the idea of us coming to know Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, when the veil is lifted from the heart, in the, the deepest sense of what it means to know Allah, Yes, we can have knowledge of Allah. The way that we can have knowledge of Allah now that is rooted uh, and that traits that we attribute to Him and attributes we attribute to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in that sense, yes, we can know Allah. But the way we truly want to know Allah is that where it becomes more experiential and the veil is lifted from the heart. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and honor our different affairs and bless us. And to inshallah ta'ala and open up the doors of his mercy to all of us. I know it is almost longer of time, and so I was supposed to allow some time for QA, but uh, I think what we probably should do is we have the, um, uh, what are they called? Interactive sessions coming up, and so that uh, if you want to save your questions for that, that will allow us to engage the material that we've discussed in more detail. And ideally that the interactive active sessions will be focused on what it is that we've spoken about or we'll have time inshallah to field and detail some of the questions that you have. Jazakumullah khair. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad and wa alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillah.